Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Started as a Michigan local music megagroup, the Verve Pipe's sad song of teenage suicide and abortion was the perfect post-grunge sound for mainstream radio. In the summer of 1996, the freshman hit number five on the Billboard charts, but an inability to have a follow-up kept the band from ever advancing to sophomores. This week, we're joined by Don and Lee of the Saturday Morning Showdown podcast to decide if they brought the one-hit thunder or if, for the life of us, we can't remember what made us think this was a good song. For the life of me, I cannot remember what made us think that we were wise and we never compromised. For the life of me, I cannot believe we'd ever die for these sins. We will merely flash men. One hit is all you need to make the money guaranteed. So, for the life of me, Don and Lee, I cannot figure out why you guys picked this song. <laughs> can you can you can we start with that? What made you both pick this song as your choice? We both just really like it. I would have said before having like researched this show that I was really late to the party, but I only found the song maybe five years after it was released. I found it when I was getting into like a lot of those Midwest emo bands like Sunny Day Real Estate and uh, Mineral Get Up Kids. <laughs> okay. And I feel like it fit like right into that genre. So I, I just, I don't normally like pop music, but when I heard it, I fell in love. Yeah, for me. So I went to an all girls Catholic high school. And when that song came out, they were big on what they called freshman day. When I, my freshman year of high school, I had to walk around for a week with pigtails. Um, I had to carry my books in a brown paper bag. And then at the end of the week, the seniors put on a show for the freshmen. So that was one of the songs they sang. Um, and then they also sang um, Nine Days, uh, Absolutely Story of a Girl. And then like years later, I was listening to it and it just brought me back memories of, I mean, that week was like horrible for me because I was like, oh, all these people are looking at me with my books and like my pigtails. And it was just an awkward time for me. But hearing that song right. just brought back great, great memories for me. Okay. So you got some memories attached to it. Dawn in a kind of a i don't know i'm not i'm not picking up the relation to the <laughs> midwest 90s emo i'm not really picking up too much on that i totally uh, get that vibe yeah i i don't know but this song when it came out and just when it was big it always 
I'm on the other side of the fence of you guys on this song. Sorry, <laughs> but it always just sounded like background music. I love sad music. I really, I would say that if I had to choose a emotion, an emotional style of music that I like the most, probably sad music is my favorite, mm -hmm. but this song just seems like sad for the sake of being sad. And then doing the research on it, or I should say Matt doing the research on it and sending it to me, it made it even more like inauthentic or something to me because I always had the idea that, yeah, this song had some sort of deep story about a suicide or like a, an assault or so. I, I always remembered thinking there was some sort of like intense story behind this song. And I do believe that they even maybe acted like there was, but then when you look at what they said about it in 2019, they said, it's for the most part, a made up story, which most of my songs are. <laughs> uh, so it even lost that aspect of it for me personally, but I'm interested. I, maybe my opinion can be swayed by what you two know about this song. Maybe you can bring me back around on this song because musically, it's not a bad song. I, I, I'm not saying that so much. Mm -hmm. So, so let me have it. What do you guys think? Well, my my introduction to the song was kind of weird. Like I said, I I found it a little on the later side. When I came across it, I was listening like like you. I was listening to mostly punk and ska bands and right. i saw mustard plug and they they play a cover of this song hell yeah they do <laughs> when i was young i knew everything she a punk who barely ever took advice now i feel sick and sobbing with my head on the floor stop a baby's bed and a ship for the rice now can't be held responsible she was such a her face That that cover fucking pumps. Yeah, it's but good. when I heard the cover, I then looked up the original song, and I I dug it. And like I said, around that time, I was listening to a lot of I was learn starting to listen to a lot of um Sunny Day Real Estate and shit. So I don't know. I felt like it was like right in my wheelhouse when I came across it, and I I, I liked that somber shit too. So I bought the album. I think villains. This 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 one's on. Yeah, and listen to the whole thing. I I I, I love them through and through. At least for that album. I did listen to their later stuff when Matt sent the playlist. I do have to say, not the biggest fan of their music moving forward. That was my issue with it is like I dug into their catalog and it's not that they're bad players or anything like that. It's just it's the most I would say this is the most average music that I could imagine. Yeah. You feel that way too, Lee? Yeah, I agree. I just found it other than the, the song, like I, the freshman, I just found, I found any of the later music just boring. Like the music I'm listening to now is mostly just punk, the punk and hot hardcore stuff that gets me pumped. And this does not get me pumped. No, this is the opposite of music to get you pumped. A lot of it was very acoustic heavy, but still it's like, mainstream adult contemporary rock yeah. not that there's anything wrong with that yeah but but when it's so just down the line i don't know there's no there was no edge to it at all you know i feel like 
whatever that edge is, regardless if it's in the guitar tones or it's in the imagery of the songs or anything about it, there was just, mm-hmm. there was just nothing for me there. <laughs> Nothing for me personally, but who, you know, not that I'm the, not that I'm the one who decides what is good and what is bad, but just not feeling it. <laughs> yeah. I do agree with you. Everything after, after Villains. I think Villains is a great album all the way through. I don't know what happened, but right after Villains, like even the album released contemporarily right after it was like real minor or I'm sorry, major heavy where Villains is more minor heavy and the songs just sound mm-hmm bland but i think villains has a real dark brooding vibe to it that I, i'm really into yeah i mean i don't get me wrong i like to brood yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of brooding but the verb pipe wasn't making me necessarily brood too much you know looking at their history ha- well let me ask you this have you seen them play live i have Either. not no okay. have not yeah, neither have I. I. I actually didn't even look up any YouTubes of them playing live. I only ask that because it says that a strong following was built off of their energetic live shows, <laughs> which I don't know how energetic you're getting playing the freshman, unless you're Mustard Plug. Right. You know, yeah. Which, I've seen Mustard Plug play the song live and it's definitely energetic. But yeah, the Verve Pipe, I don't know. Yeah, their cover changes the vibe of the song a little bit. I can't, I can't imagine anything from that early album being an energetic live show when i look at the lyrics to this song okay let me ask both of you when you heard this song were you paying attention to the lyrics were the lyrics at all have anything to do with your uh, affinity for this song or was it more just the feel of it i guess for me like as i said like in high school i heard the song like hearing the song for the first time it was mo- more really just a feel um in later years listen to music i now i always like think think about the lyrics while as i'm listening to things like now I, I think more about the lyrics and then i'm like wow these lyrics are really really dark but the funny thing about the lyrics and the song we actually ended up picking this and putting this on our playlist for for the wedding usually for weddings you put the dance music the happy music more so for us it was just like memories of the song but then we're like wow we played this at our wedding and this is dark yeah we, we played two songs about suicide at our wedding <laughs> what was the other one brick by ben folds five. Oh, uh, well brick is more about abortion i guess that's true i don't know i always felt that song was about abortion followed by a suicide either way both of those songs are wildly inappropriate for the for the uh, event <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i'd probably say, i'd probably say that when i look at these lyrics like you said, this song seems to be about suicide. And I do think it's important to have songs out there. I mean, it's something that everybody, whether they've felt those feelings themselves or a friend or a family member, like no one is untouched by that. So it's a right. topic that, of course, you want there to be songs in the world about that. But I always am a little bit turned off by songs that don't seem to have the ray of hope in them. This song just seems like a downer the whole way through. I always mm-hmm. think I watched the interview with Bjork. I'm like the world's biggest Bjork fan. And yeah. I watched an interview with her where she talked about loving sad music, but you always have to have that little bit of hope in the sad music and not just sadness for the sake of sadness and wallowing. And 
I'm not really finding that in this song. When I look at my best friend took a week's vacation to forget her, his girl took a week's worth of Valium and slept. Now he's guilt-stricken sobbing with his head on the floor. Think somebody now and how he never really wept. He says, I don't know, like all of <laughs> this whole song, like I'm not seeing the the ray of hope in it. And that might be uh, one of my other problems with this song. Is- yeah, and I mean, the song isn't about at least in my interpretation, I don't feel like the song's about the singer committing suicide or contemplating suicide. It's about someone they knew that committed suicide. And a lot of the lyrics, they feel like it's it's that moment of regret when you lose someone and you realize you'll never have a chance to go back and fix the mistakes you might have had. Like, that's the vibe I get. And that's why it's somber. And that's why it's not hopeful, because that's a thing you can't undo i guess oh well, i get i get that then i yeah so hearing that take on it makes me be makes me feel like a little bit of an asshole for having my <laughs> for having my take on it like because yeah you never know what seems somber and hopeless to me might sound relatable and hopeful to someone else so yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at it from my own personal perspective. A lot of people, I think, must have agreed with you, considering this went to number one on Modern Rock Radio, and it peaked at number five on the Billboard Hot 100. You know, it was no joke. This song was a hit. Um, And that is pretty wild, because it's a pretty somber downer song to be, like, on the radio and stuff. I don't normally listen to pop music, but it, this did surprise me when it came around. What else was popular at that time? Well, well let me tell you. I was just looking at that. Yeah. And it's it's funny you say that. This must have been such a somber time, just in general. The week, you know, when this was at its peak position, mm-hmm. Puff Daddy's I'll Be Missing You was, was, <laughs> oof, was, was it was week three of its 11-week number one oh run. Oh, my God. And also, that same year, around that same time, the new version of Candle in the Wind, I guess, which was the one for Princess Di. Yeah. And Don't Speak by No Doubt. Not that that's not necessarily a song dealing with death like the rest of these songs, but it's still... It's still a bummer. Yeah. yeah. It's still a sad song. I love that song. But it's a good it's, one. Yeah. But it's, it's a sad song. So I think maybe maybe the world was just really sad at that time. If I think back to that time, I, I felt like that was a more upbeat time because the grunge movement had kind of come to an end at that point, And I thought we were drifting towards more positive music but maybe we were still getting a little bit of that that somber somber side from like the grunge era on the opposite side of the coin at that same time that same year there was also barbie girl and 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 mbop so (laughs) okay uh, there's our our happy songs right you had two extremes uh but i'm not seeing anything like close in the middle there or whatever. But like I said yeah. earlier, I, I I didn't listen to pop music even then, so... Don't get me wrong. I love pop music. I mean, even now, even the contemporary pop music, I could probably tell you more about contemporary pop music than I can tell you about contemporary punk rock music. And that, that take that as you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of a shame in, in certain ways. I'm sure there's some good bands that I I haven't heard, but the thing about pop music that I like so much and hip hop and, and R and B is mm-hmm. that I feel like a lot of times people are using new sounds and new production tricks and things in the music. And you're hearing things that are like surprising. And a lot of times in punk rock, you're hearing the same instruments <laughs> and the same layout of songs. And unless someone yeah. has like really awesome melodies and, 
uh, is doing new things with them and, and, and in the production of it, a lot of times it's hard for me to get psyched about it. But that being said, there's still a lot of punk rock I love. Don't get me wrong. But No, and I, I totally yeah. get that. There's only so much you can really do with that genre. It's just funny. I, I feel the opposite way about pop music. I tend to find that mostly sounds formulaic as well. Yeah. That's why when I find a pop song that I do like, like The Freshman or like, like Weedis, I fucking love it. Like, I right. go all in when I find stuff that I do like. So You know what's interesting is when you find out that there's a, there's a pop song that you like a lot and then you find out who wrote it and then you're like oh like a perfect example i was the other day i like uh samariana grande songs mm-hmm. and i was lifting weights with my buddy and listening to her which is really funny <laughs> but he's like oh i love this song and he's like you know who wrote this i think it, i think it was in the song into you and i'm like no he's like somebody from the cardigans and i was oh, like wow. wow that's pretty awesome he's like yeah i i forget if it was a woman or a man from the cardigans, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it, basically it was, he was like, yeah, he writes like lots of her songs. I'm like, wow, that explains why I like this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So you never know. You never know who's, who's writing these songs, bringing it back yeah. to the verve pipe, not to be <laughs> confused with the verve. Yeah. Has, yeah. <laughs> which, which I actually like that song a little bit more. I don't think you like that song. If I remember correctly, I like the sweet I, symphony and not, not more than, than the freshman, but okay. Yeah, I, I like that song. You know, for anyone who's listening, we do a, a Facebook group. Matt, our producer, he puts up polls and then it turns into some heated arguments about what people like more than others as far as one hit wonders go. And I was very much in the corner of big countries in a big country, which I do not think that you guys like. I oh, I was very like, much in the other I corner. I do not one. like that song. And there was a lot of debate on that song. And people were telling me that I voted wrong and this and that. And I was yeah. like, no, I, it's just not a good song. I'm going to have to fiercely disagree with you guys on that one. Because I recently, this live video of them playing, I was like, oh, oh my God, these guys are incredible. Just so much energy and and whatever for the 80s and i just i mean i love the song regardless but Mm -hmm. that being said this song this song stuck around for a while i forget where it ended up on our little poll but i think it it, was in the top five somewhere i don't think i think it was the top 10 top 10 well regardless it went a while yeah i thought it wore out its welcome (laughs) really quick (laughs) on, on on the voting but it stuck around so once again i guess i'm on i'm on the uh less popular side when it comes to this song. Hey you, do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com. 
it was fun either way. I, I, can't, I can't wait to see what more polls come up in the crew, but it was, it was, it was definitely fun. And it's interesting seeing what people consider to be one hit wonders and, you know, what, you know, it all comes down to memories associated with yeah, songs. Just definitely. like Lee was saying, just like Lee was saying earlier, this song would be really hard for me. Well, I don't like it anyway, but even <laughs> being said, if I heard this song for the first time now with no memories attached to it, it'd be even harder for me to get into, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to take anything away from my personal taste versus these guys. You know, we did have the experience lately of the artist hearing <laughs> the episode of our podcast talking about them. Mm-hmm. And now I start to remember that as we're making episodes. <laughs> What if the Verve Pipe hears this episode? A Verve Pipe, if you're listening, no offense, no offense, fellas, <laughs> but uh, this just ain't my cup of tea. It's a downer. Not that I don't like downers, but it's a downer without any upper in it. Wouldn't you guys be psyched if someone made a podcast about your band talking oh, about Oh, absolutely. I would definitely listen to it without question. <laughs> but I'm a narcissist, so there's no, no doubt yeah. about that. <laughs> So yeah, I would I would listen too if I were uh, yeah. Harvey Danger or whatever or whoever else. Uh, I just kind of hope that Magic doesn't listen to their episode. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> <laughs> I do just want to add Verve Pipe if you're listening and you want to have a rumble in the street with Chris. I got your back. I'm just saying. <laughs> you're gonna take Ver- you're gonna take Verve Pipe side like that. Gotta do it, man. What else about Verve Pipe could we possibly get into here? They they uh, they stuck around. They they released. Another album in 1999 mm-hmm. after this one that came out, this villains album that the freshman is off of came right. out in 96. I believe it was a hit in 97. Yeah. And then they followed it up with an album in 99 that didn't really make an impact. Right. Then in 2001, that was their last album, their last album for 13 years. Yeah. And then they did one in 2009 and 2013, which I kind of skimmed through those albums trying to find something that caught my ear and mm-hmm. it didn't happen. <laughs> uh, they had one as, as recently as 2017 too. Oh, really? um, and I, I skimmed through those and I was not getting anywhere near the vibes and feelings that freshmen gave me or any of the other songs on villains. Like the song itself, villains is good. I think photographs is good, but yeah, the later stuff, I don't, I always feel weird saying this, but like, I feel like the guy like got a girlfriend and started writing in major chords because it just does it doesn't have like the same vibe and feel that the earlier stuff had and like if that is the case like i'm glad he's happy now and is writing happy music but it's just not working for me i totally get that man we've talked about that on episodes before where it's like people get a hit and then phone it in because they've lost well at least i interpret it to be yeah you lose whatever that angst is that helps yeah. you create great art like okay all of you're a not, sudden my, my band's popular and everybody loves me and i have a lot of money and i and then i got married and had kids and i have the perfect life so what are you gonna what are you gonna write about where's right. where's the inspiration gonna come from and i'm not saying that it's impossible to be a happy person in your life and still write great music because of course you can still travel back in your mind to a time when you weren't or right. you can you can experience things that other people are experiencing, which, you know, at times in my life when I was happy and I still wanted to write, those are one of the two things I would do. I would either remember 
I would do whatever it took to get back into that feeling again, personally, whether it was, you know, reading an old journal or just thinking really hard on it, how I felt. Or what I would even do more often is like try to step in the shoes of a friend who was going through something right. and uh, try to see things from their perspective, which I did a lot of in my life too at times when I was happy. And, and, but then, you know, you never know when you're not going to be happy. And then, then sometimes you can just write great shit again, you know? And, and I, I do tend to notice like with artists that I like, and I never want artists that I like to have bad things happen in their life, but sometimes you'll hear about this bad thing and then you'll hear the music and you'll be like, Oh, that's, that's amazing. So yeah. that can always be, you know, what's good for me might not necessarily be good for the artist, but right. uh, I'm sure it's a release, you know? Yeah, exactly. Thinking about this conversation brings me back to like, like say anything's is, is and was a real boy. Like those first albums were amazing just because of what Max was going through at the time. But then things started to get better in his life. The, the music just was not the same. And the al think, albums following that just, I didn't relate to them as like, I definitely, when, I relate to the music that uh, is about like depression and anxiety and just in the struggles in life. And that's where I relate the most. So that's why I did relate to that is and was a real boy at the time. But anything else and say anything I did not relate to. Right. Yeah, that. Oh, man, that is a real boy album. When it that was one of the few albums in my life. There have been a few where the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, this is going to be massive. This yeah. is this is so good uh that there's no way you know i i heard it before they were the huge you know i think at that time they started to get some buzz but yeah before it became what it became i just remember hearing that for the first time and being like damn this is gonna be gigantic yes you know, been a been a few other bands but yeah i i get that i mean i i like some of say anything stuff after that but i feel like after that album it was more like selected tracks rather than whole albums yeah. that, that I was feeling. And, and yeah, it, it's, it's pretty evident in a lot of artists and it's impressive when people can continue putting out quality stuff, even though, you know, they're not, they're no longer in a position of struggling in their life. Not to say that just because your music is possible is popular doesn't mean that you're not struggling in other ways. I know that, money and popularity doesn't fix everything but mm -hmm. i right. do think it helps <laughs> yeah yeah kurt cobain's probably a good example of the money and popularity not being great for him true probably the 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 saddest and most tragic version of this is daniel johnston that dude shit yeah. brilliance when his life was absolute chaos right i mean daniel johnston is one of the few artists that i think of who I guess that he did want to be famous. That was like his thing. That's why back in the day he went on to the MTV, wherever they were and were passing out his cassettes and yeah. kind of got that cult following. Yeah. But he's one of those artists that, yeah, his struggle was just evident and clear throughout his entire career until a very sad end ending. That was just, that was just sadness all the way. I yeah. felt like I love, love daniel johnston and i wish that you know i feel like in in circles in our circles he's he's a household name but yeah that dude should have been like my mom and dad should have known who daniel johnston is yeah. you know like yeah. and his brilliance went beyond his ability 
if, if that For makes sure. sense. Yeah. You know, he wasn't the greatest singer and he wasn't the greatest player, but he, his songs had more heart to them than and anybody's <laughs> I yeah I'm about to say than literally anything yeah yeah that's you know and and I I hate to group him in this same world but at the same time another dude that I got mad respect for and people might laugh about it but was like Wesley Willis who was a dude struggling with schizophrenia and everything but he he made these songs which yeah when you listen to him they, they're silly or whatever but they made people happy he performed live and he just brought people joy. And that was a dude who just, cre- that dude was going to create those songs, whether people listen to them or not. Yeah. And I think that really says something about a person who's writing a song because they're trying to get rich and famous opposed to a person who's writing a song because they're going to write that song regardless of if one person hears it or a million people are going to hear it. And I feel that's how Daniel Johnston honestly kind of was too i mean for sure he was recording most of his stuff on a tape like four track recorder for himself you know i think the fact that we heard it is like a stroke of luck really right yeah me and don actually got to see him in the last decade twice and both performances were me i mean he he only was able to do a half hour performance but within that and you could definitely tell he was struggling to do that half hour but it was definitely worth the experience and i'm so glad we got to see him twice that's awesome i never got to see him i wish that i could have look at when other artists take his songs and like cover them and then i feel like that sheds a light on the song and the potential of the song versus his four track recordings of these songs right uh from yeah from his bedroom or from wherever he did it that just shows you how you know a great song it it it's not dependent on how well someone's playing it or singing it or anything like that it's just the heart behind it you know and uh yeah you know bringing it back around to the verve pipe because <laughs> that was a hell of a tangent that definitely yeah, was yeah. It was, but, you know, there's only so much I can say about this fucking band. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, it, it kind of, I could go either way on this. The fact that the dude come out and say, oh, it's a made up story. I Well, I make up stories too when I write songs. Right. And I'm sure that there's some real life experiences that led to make this made up story, you know? So I can't really, I can't really say anything bad about that. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to knock a person for for writing a song that isn't based on a true story. I I think most of my band's songs, I'm I'm not the primary songwriter, but I think most of my band's songs are like based on experiences that our singer has had. But I'm still I'm not against someone being a storyteller and just coming up with a story that they relate to on some emotional level and that's really it and then running with it from there. Right. And you know, it's it's sometimes weird like when I I write a song and I'll, I'll demo it and, and I have certain lyrics in it where I feel like, oh, these guys are going to know exactly what I'm talking about if I send it to them. I'll find myself changing it just because like, I'm almost like embarrassed about how transparent I'm being about what I'm <laughs> I'm writing about because I know right. they'll be like, oh, that's about so-and-so or, oh, you know. Yeah. And I shouldn't do that. <laughs> but <laughs> but I do find myself doing that. So that that could be part of it. Maybe some people aren't as comfortable being so personal with their music to the yeah. point where I, I always respect that and like it. it. It it tends to make me 
like a song more if someone will just straight up come out and say the person's name in the song <laughs> yeah. or like, you know, it's, it seems brave, you know, let's get down to it. Yeah. Verve pipe one hit thunder or one hit blunder is the, is the question. If we're talking verve pipe album villains, I will say thunder. But if I'm being honest and we're talking verve pipe whole catalog, I'm going to have to say blunder. Okay. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with Don on that. The like more recent catalog. Um, if we're judging on that, definitely blunder. It's been it's boring, but if we're judging on villains, yeah, that was definitely a blunder. But the whole catalog, I would go blunder. I'm gonna go straight up blunder on the verb fight because <laughs> we know how you feel. Yeah, just because I brought this up in a recent episode, it's because. And I'm not talking necessarily about my own band. I'm mm-hmm. talking about probably a thousand bands that I know of varying degrees of popularity that have songs that are way better than this song and never had a hit song. And this band got to have a hit song and followed it up with a bunch of mediocre phone it in music from, from what I heard. And the song itself, the original song itself, like, yeah, I like when Mustard Plug covered it. <laughs> At least they, they brought some energy to it. But the song just in itself was a downer at what seems to be a very downer time for music. So uh, and I'm also I'm a little bitter about how how it it went above big country in our poll. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to go I'm going to go blunder on the verb pipe. But regardless of that. I'm glad that you guys came on the show, Don and Lee. No, we're happy to hear it. Yeah, thank you so much. And congratulations on five years being together. I feel like it was only yesterday that you guys were getting engaged on stage. At right? <laughs> totally wild, right? Yeah. yeah. What year was that? How long that was, ago was that? That was like eight years ago. That was 2012. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Time flies, man. Well, thank you guys. And you guys want to talk about your podcast real quick? You guys have a podcast. We, we yeah, do. Yeah, we do. We go by the name Saturday Morning Showdown, and we rewatched the first episode of some of our old favorite Saturday morning cartoons, um, watch them with fresh eyes in our 30s and see what we think. And what, so far of the episodes that you've done, what has been the best? That's so tough. There's just so many good ones. I'm going to say probably the Animaniacs episode is probably the best one. Just That's just such a fun show. I'd agree with that, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I remember liking that when it was on. I haven't watched it in forever, but it, was it holds good. up. How about how about real quick? Worst. What about worst? <laughs> so we watched we watched uh, one that never actually hit the air. It was the Garbage Pail Kids cartoon. Oh man! And it the the network pulling it was the correct decision. It was so bad. Oh, I want to mm-hmm. watch that. I was such a big fan of the Garbage Pail Kids the stickers <laughs> so was i like i collected those cards but man this i'll i got a link i'll send it to you it's nice. it's rough yeah okay. <laughs> rougher so, than the movie <laughs> oh i didn't i didn't I see the movies movie. but i can't weigh in but i've heard that's bad too oh the movie is rough <laughs> uh. all right well anyway thank you guys so much and uh it was nice talking to you thanks thanks for having, thanks for having us on it's awesome i'm gonna take you to nakama This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is produced by Matt Kelly as part of the Geekscape Network and hosted by Chris Fafalius of the band Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah. 
This week's guests, Don and Lee, host Saturday Morning Showdown, the newest show on the Geekscape Network. Go subscribe to it. The song playing underneath me today is Punchline's Everything I Wanted off their EP So Nice to Meet You. Pick up a copy at punchline.com and also use the site for news, merch, and future tour dates. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. And tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from NoFX, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media.